Have you heard The Message? An original science fiction podcast from Panoply and GE Podcast Theater. All of season one is available now, so listen and find out why a 70-year-old alien recording seems to be killing people. Search for The Message on iTunes. Welcome to The Labor of Love, a podcast about marriage, family, and making peace with the people we live with. I'm Lori Leibovich, editor of RealSimple.com. Holiday season is in full swing, which means parties, twinkling lights, eating and drinking up a storm. And of course, the holidays are also a time of high stress. What with the pressure to be social, a lot of time spent with family, often in close quarters, air and road travel, and feeling pressure to be, or at least act, as if all is merry and bright. Joining me today to discuss how to navigate holiday stress and hopefully avoid relationship and family conflict in the process is Belinda Luscombe, an editor-at-large at Time magazine, the editor of the newsletter Time Parents, who writes about relationships and parenting for the magazine, and Lori Gottlieb, an L.A.-based psychotherapist, author of Marry Him, The Case for Settling for Mr. Good Enough, and a regular contributor to The Labor of Love. Welcome to the show, Lori. Thank you. Nice to be here. And welcome, Belinda. Hi. Good to be here. So first, I just want to take a measure of your stress levels, and then I'll tell you a little bit about my own. Belinda, how are you doing? Well, I'm not stressed, but that could be just because I'm in terrible denial. I haven't really got a very solid plan for Christmas and or the holiday season yet. We tend to be more a spontaneous family than a planning family, which can work or for us or can work against us. But I'd say mine was sort of low, but probably going to peak at some point in the near future. And Lori, how stressed are you as the holidays approach? You know, I'm not really that stressed because we've decided to stay in town and make this a very relaxing holiday season. Well, that's super smart. Okay. So you guys both sound great. I'm going to guess that a lot of people listening, though, are not as calm and collected as both of you are. So let's try to troubleshoot a little bit for our listeners some of the things that tend to mess up our relationships this time of year. One of those things is we often are with our extended families, which is, for most people, I would say, maybe inherently stressful. Lori Gottlieb, what do you counsel people when they're going to be in a stressful holiday situation with their families? What is the best thing that they can do to avoid too much conflict? Right. Well, I think the first thing is to manage their expectations. So I think that we all have this idea of the perfect holiday, the perfect holiday celebration, and yet we know from experience that it doesn't tend to go perfectly. And so the first thing is to know that, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of challenging to be around that many relatives at once, and especially if you've got, you know, relatives from that you don't see very often and then other relatives that you know uh, you have a history with. And I, I think one of the main things is to try to keep it light and relax and not worry about, you know, how well it's all going to go. Belinda, what do you think about this idea that we all kind of have an imagined fantasy version of what the holidays are going to look like? All of this fantasy, of course, is stoked by the media and the way that we've all been presented the holidays for our whole lives as being very 
twinkly and beautiful. How do we avoid feeling that kind of pressure? Well, I do think people have this sort of idea that it's got to be perfect and that that, you know, that kind of perfectionism needs to be dispensed with almost immediately. And the other thing I think it's good to do is just to, to preload people with the information that is going to be important, which is that, you know, when you are with your family, you sometimes slip into the habits that you had with your old family, your, your mother, your father, your brothers and sisters, your aunt and uncle, which it can be a different person from the person that you are when you're you know, with your spouse or with your children. And so you have to sort of say, if I do this, then please, you know, I'm sorry, I know I've done it in the past. You sort of have to, can you cut me a break? And the other thing I think is really key is to remember that, you know, we, it's, it's a season of goodwill. It's a season of cheer. So when you are thinking about why your spouse or a family member is behaving in a certain way, it's really important, I think, at this time to, to give them the benefit of the doubt, to say, I imagine this person has very good reasons for doing this. I imagine they're <laughs> not doing it to be deliberately annoying or provocative. And to sort of say, I, you know, because I love them and because this is the situation we're in, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. And that, I think, helps sort of uh, cut a lot of resentment off at the pass. Lori, uh, Belinda brought up a really interesting point, and that is that sometimes when we return, whether it's to our hometowns, whether to the homes we grew up in, whether it's just being around the people, people we grew up with, we kind of become the people we used to be, not always for better. I remember the first time I brought my husband home to meet my family. It was Thanksgiving, and after a day or two of hanging out with me and my family, he took me aside and he said, why are you acting like you're 16? And it's true. I hadn't even realized it, but you kind of, there's a tendency to revert back to the person you used to be. How do we avoid that? Because most of us don't want to be that person. Yeah, it's so easy to regress to that inner 10-year-old when we're around our families. And I think it's important to remember that we're not there to work out whatever struggles we have with our family at this holiday occasion that they're going to say things and we're going to say things that, um, you know, might put us in our old roles, but that's not the time to work this out. So we, we kind of have to remember what the purpose of getting together is. And, and going back to, to what Belinda said, we really want to be grateful for the fact that we do have family to go to, that we do have a place to go. And as trite as that sounds, I think a lot of us think about the stress of being around our families as opposed to the joy that we can get from having people to be around during the holidays. Because a lot of what most of us want from the holidays is connection. What about when you are, I'm talking about partners right now, when partners are deciding to spend the holiday with one family or the other, um, there's often conflict. Some of it has been mythologized and blown out of proportion, but there is often conflict between one partner and their in-laws or their, you know, family that they've married into. What are some things, Lori, that, that couples can do before the holidays, before the parties and the get-togethers to try to troubleshoot some of those sticky situations or manage some of those often difficult relationships? The first thing is they can talk about it beforehand. They can say, look, this usually happens when I'm around your mother 
or, you know, these kinds of things tend to happen. Can you support me in this? Can you help me in this? Meaning they don't have to, you know, do anything that's going to be awkward, but maybe they can squeeze your hand while it's happening. You know, maybe they can give you a smile. Whatever it is, just to say, I'm there with you. I, I haven't forgotten about you. I know this is, this is hard, but I'm here with you, and, um, and it's going to be okay. I support you. I'm on your side. Belinda, one of the things that we get lost in in this season is, you know, the inevitable consumerism that comes along with being (laughs) in a culture that, you know, this season is generally about gift giving. It's not so much about religion anymore. I've talked to a lot of parents who get really frustrated slash worried about the idea that there's this expectation that their children, you know, their children have expectations about what they're going to get and who, you know, when are they going to get it and how big is it going to be and how many things am I going to have? What are some ways without being total Grinch parents, we can also try to scale back a little bit our children's expectations for all of the gifts that they're going to get and that kind of you know, consumer frenzy that that it's hard to avoid at this time of year. I really like the idea, and I'm not saying I've ever successfully, really successfully (laughs) practiced it, but I really like the idea of instead of asking kids, or as well perhaps as asking kids for a, a list of what they might like to get, you could ask them to make maybe a small list of people they'd like to give gifts to or things that they'd like to give. Um, I think the secret Santa within a family even works quite well. Everybody, you know, gets somebody else that they have to buy a special gift for. And even when kids are quite small, you can say, okay, you are giving a a present for your brother. Let's go get it together, you know, and make the whole process of of giving a gift, which is ultimately, you know, really quite a fun thing to do to make it pleasurable for them. Um, I came across a family the other day where the mother had everybody every birthday that the kids had had she'd cooked a a cake and a special meal for the kid and then she'd cooked a cake and a special meal for like the local church or the local homeless shelter or the local synagogue Mm -hmm. and when she passed away and she passed away a little young each one of her children and her siblings started to do the same thing in her honor so it was an, an enormous you know obviously example is always the strongest teacher so it was an enormous example to these to these kids of how you demonstrate what gift giving uh, you know what the joy of of the giving season is really about that's a lovely lovely example another thing that tends to happen at this time of year and it's it's because we are going from party to party, and again, there's days where there's a ha- party happening at work, and then there's a party happening at night, and there's a party happening at the kids' school, is there's a lot of eating, and there's a lot of drinking, which often kind of stokes conflict. You know, when you drink too much, you're more volatile. How I, I see a lot of people who are trying really hard to gird themselves for the excesses of this season. Is there anything that you, either of you, would recommend in these last few weeks of 2015 to kind of protect against going too far and regretting it? I, I think that a lot of people tend to eat too much or drink too much because of the stress. And one of the main sources of stress that I see, because I see a lot of couples, is that with all of the things that are going on, the the couple themselves, they don't have any time together this month. They, They almost never see each other because they're both so busy dealing with work and kids and planning for the holidays. And then they go to all these 
holiday parties and, and occasions and events, and they end up eating and drinking and regretting it and then being cranky and then taking it out on each other. Mm-hmm. Sounds familiar. <laughs> Um, So so I think a a really important thing is sort of prevention, meaning that this month it's important to take care of yourself, not to sit there and say, well, I'm going to be eating and drinking a lot, so, you know, that's just how it is every December, but thinking more about maybe I need to take a walk with my husband. That would be really nice. Maybe we need to set aside some time for ourselves. Maybe we need to say no to certain things so that we have more time for ourselves this month. So that it doesn't become this sort of stress reaction where you start to eat and drink and then you feel terrible about yourself and then you're in a bad mood and it snowballs. Belinda, do you have any suggestions for that? Well, I'm actually, I'm afraid to say, rather a fan of the eating too much on uh, special occasions. I feel like, you know, it's once a year, maybe twice, max. You just go for it. Go for it. Eat as much as you want because, you know, you can... That's what New Year's is for. It's for the resolutions. So I say, you want to eat? I'm not going to stop you. Have more turkey. Have more Christmas pudding or Hanukkah gelt. Whatever you want, you just consume. The drinking, however, yes. is probably a problem. So, you know, you may want to. That's one where, you know, I think it's very wise to always observe the, you know, one alcohol, one water rule, like just just to try and pace yourself a little bit because you do not wish to make a spectacle of yourself and you don't want to you know especially of kids you you really don't want to be dealing with the hangover and let's face it none of us are as young as we used to be so um so i guess i'm a scrooge on the alcohol but i I go for it on on the uh and uh, on the food and and i think laurie makes a really good point like you don't have to go to every party you know make a list check it twice and just cross off a few people that really aren't going to miss you I'm talking to Belinda Luscombe and Lori Gottlieb on The Labor of Love. When we come back, we're going to be talking about how to occupy children during the endless hours of school vacation. But first, today's show is brought to you by The Message, an original science fiction podcast from Panoply and GE Podcast Theater. Hi, Nikki Tomlin here, and I'm the host of The Message. I'm going to take you into an elite cryptography think tank and check it out. Their top project right now is to decode a highly classified radio transmission from the 1940s. Have you listened to it yet? Not yet. Uh, We're having a discussion about that. But if I offered you the chance to listen to it right now... Uh, Sounds like a no. Well, we don't really know what it is. Voices, music, breathing... But, you know, I'm not going to mess with that thing. To sum it up, extraterrestrials. Subscribe to The Message on iTunes. So a friend of mine, who I'm not going to mention her name, said something to me the other day that I think is something that a lot of parents feel this time of year, too, which is that if you don't have something planned for the holiday break, this week or two of unstructured time with your children sort of looms before you and you feel like, first I've got to get through the holidays and then I've got to occupy my children for days and days at a time. And that's also a source of stress. Wondering, Belinda, if you have any suggestions for how families can coexist when there is no school and maybe no work and no stores open and things are really quiet without killing each other? 
Well, again, I think it's um, this is a great time to develop some traditions, some family traditions of what you're going to do. These can be these do not have to be hugely elaborate traditions. They can be making a few Christmas ornaments. They can be you know going to see if you'll have a local store which has holiday windows. They can be writing you know or decorating Christmas cards or making very simple you know paper to wrap gifts in. I think this is really a time where you can begin to sort of explore what your traditions are and that way, you know, develop a few habits that as you know, for the first year of course when your kids are small, it's going to be a disaster. The product at the end is going to be, you know, minuscule and the process and the clean up are gonna be gargantuan. But as the years <laughs> go on, this begins to pay off. And um, you know, my, my children are teenagers now and they still we still have this sort of dumb tradition of we go and buy our tree outside the local pharmacy store and we walk at home and then we all make ornaments that my husband has dictated what the color will be so they will all be in one color and you know it's kind of onerous but it's actually become also kind of fun so those are the things that we've been doing for years and 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 though and these are the time when the kids are little to sort of put those in place Lori, what do you think about this unstructured time looming for parents what do you have planned what do other what are some other things um, that families can plan maybe ahead of time that don't don't cost a lot of money don't have to be too stressful, but that can fill some of those those hours. Yeah, I, I love the unstructured time because I, I think that you want to make it as easy as possible. So instead of the rushing around that we do with all of the structure we have the rest of the year where we got to get kids to this activity or that activity or this thing's going on, you don't have to be anywhere. You can sleep late. You can not get dressed if you don't want to. You can hang out in your pajamas and watch holiday movies over and over again. You know, it's. I think people think that they're supposed to entertain their children during this time. And what's so entertaining for the children and for the adults is just hanging out with the family and not worrying about the clock or what has to happen next. Right. And it's really nice to have that break. So this brings me to one of the topics I'm obsessed with, and everyone who listens to this podcast knows, which is screens. And what do you both think or recommend about screens during the holidays, which are, you know, supposedly a time for family and connection and getting together? But I also think that with a lot of travel and a lot of downtime, inevitably kids and parents are going to migrate towards their devices. Is this a bad thing? Is this something that parents should regulate? What do you think, Belinda? You know, this is one of the things that I think many parents are obsessed with because it is something that we cannot draw on our parents' habits for because they didn't, you know, we never really dealt with the same issues. I think that, uh, you know, screens are a, a one of a menu of choices that, um, that parents can use. And I think especially if it's not just screen consumption, but it's something that the, that the children are doing where they're actually playing a game or making something, then that's just different from sitting and placidly watching. And I do think, you know, it being when the weather is miserable and you really can't go out, that you need to cut yourself a little break and give your kids some screen time. 
It, how much depends, you know, there are recommendations and it really depends on the age of the kid. But I think you can set common sense limitations. And the thing about those is no matter what, you have to stick to them. So if you know you're going to be driving somewhere in a car, then you have to sort of reserve that screen time for the car and don't have too much of it before you go. On the other hand, if you're packing up and it's an incredibly difficult and stressful time, then, you know, use the screens. Just just be smart and conscious about it. I think the point here is to make your con- consumption of it very conscious, not just like um, go run away and be on the screen and not to think about it. My last question also, I want to bring around an issue that we talk about a lot on this show, which is the division of labor in households. There's so much going on this time of year, more than usual. There's the regular schedules that we juggle, but now, as we've said, there's there's also parties, there's travel, there's work, there's there's home, and conflicts that arise among partners around the division of labor often increase at this time of year because of all of this chaos. Again, Lori, you've talked on this issue before, but I wanted to know, is there anything that that couples should keep in mind so that the sort of the there's not too much of an increase in nudging and resentment and all of the things that bubble up when we feel as if we're doing more than our partner is to keep things going in the household? Yeah, one of the things I see most with couples is that once they do decide who's going to do what task, one person will nudge the other one. You've already decided who's going to do it, but the other person isn't going to do it the way you would do it, or they're not going to do it on the timetable you would do it. Mm -hmm. So you need to trust that once you divide up the tasks, that that person's responsible for that task and you should not be saying anything because they're going to get it done. They, they already committed to getting it done. And so, you, um, you know, unless you want to take on the task yourself, be really grateful that the other person is doing it and let them do it their way. Belinda, do you have any suggestions? Well, I think that is incredibly smart, what Laurie said, that just, you know, I know... You know, we really, we always want to get things done and, and, and we do not understand why they're not getting done, but you, you just need to sit on your hands at that point. And I think one of the things to remember is, okay, I do wish to stay married to this person because it's much better for my mental and financial health, among other reasons. <laughs> and in, in sort of 20 years, am I really going to care who did what or how they did it on this particular day or at this time? I mean, when the when you're getting stressed about having to do it all is probably the worst time to raise it so i think and i'm sure you guys have discussed this before that if these discussions need to be had you know in in a sort of non-score keeping you do x i do y you know i've done so and so i've done so and so way it's they need to be had in a sort of a gentle kind of Again, giving the other person all the, the the generosity that you can. And one way to start it is often, you know, to ask your spouse, you know, I know we've got a, a few days, you know, of stress coming. What is top of mind for you? What are you most worried about? What can I help you with? And then hopefully, if he's a stand-up guy, he will reciprocate and ask the same question. But also you get a, a sense of why they're doing what they're doing and what their stresses are and what you need to look out for. Because it's always a two-way street. So there's a lot of pressure, and we talked at the beginning of the podcast about the pressure to have the perfect holiday and the perfect tablescape and tree and all of those things. There's also a lot of pressure to have 
perfect, thoughtful gifts for every single person on your list. Do you all have any suggestions for how to be a good gift giver without driving yourself crazy? Well, the problem is always the in-laws, right? Because there's somebody that you sort of want to give a gift to, you, you know, and you don't want to offend them. On the other hand, you don't want to be too generous so that they feel obliged to you. And it often can be the most awkward gift-giving exchange. And I deal with this. I'm a bit of a cheapskate generally, but I deal with this uh, usually around a photo product. Um, you know, this is very easy to do with your iPhoto or other apps. The mug, the witty T-shirt, the calendar, these are easy things. It takes a little more time, but it shows sort of a level of care. And then you just put your kids or, you know, the actual relation, blood relation of somebody on that item, and you're golden. You can do this almost every year. I think that's great advice. Lori, do you have any go-to gifts that you use at this time of year that are thoughtful but don't take up too much of your time and energy? Oh, I do. I think, I think the point is not to be thoughtful. And what I mean by that is <laughs> that the more thought I put into a gift for any person, the worse it happens to me. <laughs> so so I've realized that because I overthink it and then, yeah. I, and, then I, and then I end up giving something that, that's too elaborate or they didn't want that or it's, it's, it's not quite right. And so I'm all for the gift card. Um, you know, because I think that then people can make a choice about what they want to do with, with that, you know, that gift card. And, and frankly, who doesn't want some money, money? (laughs) right? Like really, really, do we need that little trinket or that sweater that really isn't our style? Wouldn't you just rather have the money and you can do whatever you want with it? So I think uh, in terms of thoughtfulness, I think that's the most thoughtful thing I can do for somebody Mm -hmm. is to let them buy their own gift. And my way of dealing with this is I shop all year round. I hoard gifts. I really do. I have a drawer in my house and I buy things when I see them that I think people will like. And then I really don't get that stress this time of year about gift giving because I have most of what I need. You know, Laurie, I wish I'd married you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then, your, then your tree wouldn't have to be pink this year. Yes, right. right. Yeah, among other things. Yes. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Laurie Gottlieb and Belinda Lescom, for being on The Labor of Love today. And happy, happy holidays to both of you. Happy holidays to you, too. And to you. Belinda Lescom is an editor-at-large at Time magazine. She's also the editor of the Time for Parents newsletter. Lori Gottlieb is an L.A.-based psychotherapist and author of Marry Him, The Case for Settling for Mr. Goodenough. She speaks frequently across the country on topics including parenting, relationships, and media culture. Thanks so much for joining me today on The Labor of Love. If you have a domestic quandary and would like to be a guest on our show, or if there's a topic you'd like us to cover in a future episode, please email us at tlolpodcast at gmail.com. I'd like to thank our producer, Tim Einenkel, and our engineer, Zach Dinerstein. If you enjoyed the episode, please review and subscribe on iTunes, where you'll also find three more podcasts from Real Simple. You can subscribe to The Labor of Love at iTunes.com Panoply or at Panoply.fm. I'm Lori Leibovich, and I'll see you next time on The Labor of Love.